Um, but we are Genesis 1, and we're going to go 24 through 31. D6. So if you need a Bible, Micah's got you. He'll get you one. If you need one, otherwise open up. If you guys will stand with me, and I'll just read through 24 through 31. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beasts of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that was good. We briefly touched on that last week. We'll kind of briefly touch on it again. And then this is really the meat of where we're going to be. Verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I've given you every herb that yields seed, which is on on the face of the earth and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you. It shall be for food also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life. I have given every green herb for food and it was so. Then God saw everything they had made and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day, that Sunday where it's uh, a day where we see our brothers and sisters, a, a really, for me personally, and I know uh, a lot of others, a really long day, but Lord, a special day in that we're the gathering of the saints. Um, Lord, diving into your word together, worshiping together, praying together, taking communion together. Lord, this foundational practice that you've called us to, that's not just a a ritual, it's not just a custom, but Lord, this is vital to our well-being as as believers. Um, So even in this this group, um, in a small group, Lord, would you use this for your glory to minister to each other, that we would encourage each other, that as we open up the word together, Lord, you'd speak to us through your word and show us something more of yourself, show us something more of us, Um, today as we look at this image of God that you've imprinted on us and what that means, Holy Spirit, would you uh, help me please? I pray for your glory. And would you point all eyes to Jesus that at the end of uh, this evening, we would all walk away um, experiencing again the joy and the richness of knowing the Savior that pursued us and saved us and redeemed us. And that we should be spurred on by his good works, by what he has done for us when we didn't deserve it, that we would reach out to a community and reflect him. That's all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have a seat. So you see from the graphic, Genesis, Imago Dei. This is a, Imago Dei is a foundational theological point in uh, our belief as Christians. And it is the, the great gift that we've been given as human beings, the great gift given to humanity 
that God has given us. And we see it in day six in creation that we just read through. And so to give us a better, hopefully a better appreciation for it, I'm going to, we're going to play a little game first. Well, let me tell you, let me ask you this. So you have, um, say you have a kid who grew up in really nice neighborhood, uh, parents had great jobs and money was never a worry. The kid got everything he ever wanted, um, never had to get a job, huge inheritance. And then you have this contrast kid who's, whose parents always struggled to get by or always um, short on the bills every month and didn't, uh, didn't have toys, didn't have a lot of things. If you were to give them either one of those kids, let's just make it a monetary gift. If you're to walk up to either one of those kids and give them a hundred dollar bill, who's going to appreciate that hundred dollar bill more, right? The kid with nothing. Uh, so as we're going to uncover this great blessing, I think sometimes we can read through Genesis and to be honest with you, it's even how it's laid out in chapter and verses in scripture. Uh, we're going to end day six today. And then day seven isn't even in chapter one. Right after this, it goes to chapter two and then the completion. So even how the Bible was later when verses and chapters were written, it almost it almost plays to our narcissism of that. We are the end of the story that we are the, the culmination of everything and that it's, and then man showed up and it's all about us. And so I want to, we're going to do this little game first is I'm going to try to humble us first. And I'm going to try to get us out of the silver spoon and over to the let let's humble ourselves and see where we could have been and see, um, how great then when we have that view, how great of a blessing it was and how great, and hopefully we'll have a better appreciation for what we've been given as we go through the study of the Imago Dei, us having the imprint, God's image. And what does that mean? What does that mean for us? How do we interact? So first, um, as I said, we covered verse 24 through 25, a little bit briefly last week, but I just want to touch on it again. And even we can go back a little bit Um, but if we read it, notice how we share a lot of similarities with, uh, plants and the animals as we've been reading through that. Do you, do you notice that? I know it's intuitive for us to read through and we just kind of get to when man's created and it, it becomes this whole event because it is, but if you just read through it, it's the, the Lord blesses. From the ground, he causes plants to come and then he blesses the plants and says, okay, produce seed and produce your own kind. And then from the ground again, he produces, it says from the earth, he, he brings the cattle, the, so land animals, and then he blesses them. Same blessing. Now you are going to produce your own kind. And then it's, we don't, humans, we don't even get our own day. And maybe that's a surprise. Like we don't have our own day. It's cattle. The, the land animals are made and then us. So like, 
a little humility in where we are. Like we, we have a lot of similarities as you see this literary design that God is creating. As we've been unpacking this over and over again, I've been saying that we're looking at this with the view of that. This is God creating a home and not just the creation of the house. It's the function of things and not just the material origin of things. And so again, as, as he's creating uh, these things, we find there's a, there's a striking similarity in us and plants and animals. It's almost like you could see it keep going in a sense. And so as we look at it uh, from that perspective, I think it sets us up then to see, to be more appreciative, to see the weight Though this is, I think this is a contrary statement, but to see the weight of the blessing that we've been given, if that makes sense, is that when we really view ourselves humbly, that we weren't this great thing that came on the scene, but the Lord in his infinite creation was creating all this order. He's creating time and he's creating weather and he's creating all these functions. And then he has the seas draw back and the land comes up. And then from the land, he has the, the plants come. And then from the land, he has the animals come and even look at the origin of, uh, it doesn't say it in Genesis one, but in Genesis two, how is, what is man made of dust? Right. And so same thing, that's the same thing, uh, as animals it's in, uh, I should have written it down. It's in Ecclesiastes. There's a verse you can look it up to make sure I'm not lying to you. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes that is, uh, man and man and beast share the same roles. They both came from dust and they're both going to return to dust. And so it's that same, we have, we have every reason in the world to be humble and not to read Genesis as we are the pinnacle of this story. The pinnacle of this story is going to be next week when we actually start in chapter two, which I, I feel like is uh, a tragedy. I wish day seven landed in chapter one, the organizational way my brain works. And then we got into Genesis two. But anyway, that's for next week. So, um, something massive does happen though. So now as we've been humbled and see this literary design of that, God is creating functions, he's creating order out of chaos and how he's laying things out. And we have these very similarities. We don't even have our own day. It's whoa, whoa. Like what are we then? And so now as we've been humbled, hopefully now this great weight of blessing is something incredible happens for us, you and I personally. Uh, and let's read again. Uh, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. There's so much to unpack in here. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish, over the sea, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We are given a great, the greatest gift and blessing. Uh, when we are given this Imago Dei, the image of God that we, we bear his image. And now the question should naturally be for us was, well, what does that mean? How do we respond to that? Um, and there are thousands and thousands of books. There are 
thousands of really, really smart, smart men and women who have talked about what the image of God is. What does the Imago Dei mean? What does it mean for us? But what does the actual image of God mean? There's a lot of things can pop in your head of what it means. Um, a few ideas is that we physically look like God. That when people, humanity, although there's differences in our humanity and the color of our skin, the color of our hair, our, our height, our weight, whatever it may be, we have differences. We are our own species and we look the own way. And so therefore God designed us to actually be an image bearer in the sense of that we look like him. Or there's the view that we are, God created us in his image because God is spirit. And so he created us spirit. Um, in that sense, or there is the, that God has given us the ability to God is a creative God. God, uh, differentiates right from wrong. God, um, all the different facets of us mentally as human beings that, well, that is what God has given us. And that's this, what separates, um, us from the animal kingdom. That's what gives us the, the image of God, um, I think all these tell maybe part of the story and I don't have enough information to be honest with you. And we don't have nearly enough time to go through all of them. I think they're all a piece of a bigger picture though, which I'm going to try to unpack more of the, the main point of what's happening um, to physically look like God. Jesus took on the form of man, but that's, he's not physical uh, like us. And then what is that? I, the problem you have with that one is I think you can say uh, monkeys look a lot like us. Like we have differences between us and each other. And then we have animals like, well, animal, not even monkeys. Let's say every animal has eyes. So are we, where is that difference? So that one seems on shaky ground or that God is spirit, but only humanity is given the Imago Dei. So then any other spirit doesn't have the Imago Dei. So it can't simply be that we are a spirit and that God is spirit. So the Imago Dei can't simply be that we are spirit. Um, is it that the third one that, cause we can reason that we know right from wrong and that we're creative. Well, again, only humanity was given the Imago Dei angels, Satan. They know right from wrong. They don't have the image of God imprinted on them. So they all, like I was saying, they may play parts and they all have their caveats to them. But I think there's a, a grander picture, which we're going to unpack tonight. Um, one that really helps. It was quite a while ago. I taught a message on a Wednesday night and it was, I did way too much, but one of the main points in it was uh, I was teaching on the kingdom and that all four gospels, um, the theme of all, all four gospels is that Jesus is King. He is King on the scene. And that's what all four gospels is screaming. Um, and so through that, we had a study of Kings. And so as we've been going through this series, I've been uh, trying to keep sending us back to the ancient near East to look at things, how they saw things again, something else that I've been reiterating through this series is that, that the, the Bible's, the Bible was written for you, but it was not written to you. 
So we have to not only translate the language, which is already done for us because you're reading a Bible in English. So somebody did that part for you, but we have to translate the culture. So we have to go back and see what did this mean to the people who was actually written to the truths transcend time. The message, the literary design is written within a culture. And I'll say that again, just to make sure we have that the truths transcend culture. They transcend time. They're, they're for ancient, they're for now, and they're for as far as in the future as this earth is before the Lord comes back. But they, the truths are relevant. They are written within a culture. So we have to translate and get into that culture and see what that means. And this one, this one really helps as we've been going through, maybe it's been confusing as we've been going day by day, but this one really sheds light on things. When, um, uh, ancient Egypt or ancient Kings, when, um, Kings were viewed as deity. So if you were the Pharaoh or if you were a King, you, were viewed as deity. And then what you would do is to, to set up your reign in places that you physically weren't, um, there, you would have idols. We would refer to them idols. They would be called images. They would be images of God. So it would be the image of whoever the King was, the image of the Pharaoh. And it wouldn't have to simply be, it would ha- wouldn't have to look like him. It was a, um, it was a physical representation of the king or the pharaoh, but it physically didn't have to be the king or the pharaoh. Does that make sense? That it was a physical thing, but it, the the weight didn't fall on. Eh, that doesn't look like him. I don't think that's. It didn't matter. You knew that this statue was the representation of the Pharaoh of the authority of the King. That was the, the imprint. So this image of God that has been imprinted on us, um, it doesn't rise and fall with that. We look physically look exactly like the Lord, but it is that we are a physical representation of the Lord, that we are beings that are here now. So it doesn't matter that we all look different. It's the fact that you and I are physical representations you track me on that one? They sound similar, but they're absolutely not. Um, so we are, in that sense, we are God's representations here on the earth. And, and we're in a place now where we're seeing this more. Again, we're in Genesis, so we, this is, we're, we're pre-fall, uh, when, what we're studying. But Genesis 3 on, we're, we're in this time that the fall that our King, we are, we are physically as representation in this story. The Lord is setting up a situation where he is going to actually be there. He's going to set up this, this earth and he's going to be there in community with human beings. And so it's not a sense of, we know he's omnipotent. He's, we know that he's omnipresent, that he's everywhere. So as we're unpacking this, I don't want to confuse that the Lord isn't there, but that he is imprinted on us, that we are to be his representatives. And it even has a, uh, through the fall, we don't lose that. So we have not lost 
our image. We have not lost the Imago Dei because of the fall. That Imago Dei is still running through. We are still created in his image, but we're going to see how, um, how that plays out and what, what the responsibility and what the blessing is for us as believers moving forward. What does it look like to live that out? Um, one verse, turn to Genesis five. We're going to jump ahead. This is a significant verse to help us understand um, this image, I believe, is helping me. Genesis 5, uh, 1 through 3. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. So this is echoing chapter 1. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. Now, check this out. Verse three, when Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. So really unique. So when, uh, when I was born, if I can help us understand this, when I was born right out of the womb, if you would have held me up next to my dad to a total stranger, I could have belonged to any Caucasian blonde haired guy. There's like, I didn't look exactly like my dad, but I had the opportunity. I was designed that I could, as I matured, be more and more and more like my father, that I was, I was born with an imprint of his image, but I have been been given the opportunity to reflect him more and more and more. And as I mature and as I go through life, I'm going to reflect him more and more and more. It was one of the, when he was, uh, when he was close to passing, uh, and we had, we had so many people coming to like his old work buddies, old church buddies, um, just a ton of people who were coming to visit him at the care facility and it was crazy. It was like the, everybody said it and I've heard it my whole life. Like if uh, a lot of, I don't think any of you knew my dad, um, but I heard it my whole life. Like, Oh my gosh, you look just like your dad. Oh my gosh. You're just, and like, not just look like my dad, but then it was like, Oh my gosh, you and your dad are the exact same. And it was always like, I don't know. Every kid gets it. Like, yeah, I look I'm like my dad. I look like my dad. Yep. Uh, but then it meant something like people would show up that hadn't seen me in maybe 10 years. And it was just like the gravity of the situation obviously played into it, but like, wow, you are your dad's twin. And it was like the pride that I had, like the, the honor that welled up inside of me of like, it wasn't just uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I look, I'm his kid. Like, of course I look like my dad, but it was like, awesome. Like, uh, one that just super blessed me is we have a painter friend. He actually spoke at my dad's memorial. His name's Armando. Uh, he drove out from Santa Clarita to help me, uh, teach me how to mud walls in, in my house, whatever. So I'm overwhelmed. There's just a ton on my plate. So we go out to his truck and he's leaving and he didn't give me the, uh, you look like just like your dad, but he goes, man, cause he did a bunch of projects with my dad. He's like, man, you are just like your dad. He'd be so proud of you right now. And I was just like, awesome. Like I'm happy 
that as I'm maturing and as I'm growing, that I'm reflecting who my dad is uh, more and more and more. And I'm, I'm becoming more like him in his, uh, his character, or how he carried himself or uh, his work ethic or whatever it may be. More and more, I'm reflecting uh, my father. And I think that's the same thing that's it's even laid out here in, in Genesis 5, is that we have this opportunity as kids. We are, we are made in the image of God. And it's a very uh, infant stage. And we all have it. We, we didn't lose it after the fall. And it's not something that you only gain once you get saved. You are born with this image. And that's why life is sacred. That's why human life means so much. That's why we believe that when babies are formed in the womb, that those are babies, that those are lives. We don't wait to see, well, if they weren't a believer, they didn't bear God's image. We are designed as human beings to bear the image of our creator, but we've also been designed with the opportunity to reflect him more and more and more as we find our identity, not in ourselves, but as we find our identity in him. If I were to, if I were to not like my father and have a complete, my dad was my hero. So if, if we didn't have that relationship and I wanted nothing to do with my dad, um, then and there's cases of people, I, I was blessed with a great dad. There's a lot of people, I'm sure a lot of you who had terrible fathers and I want nothing to do with them. And I don't want to be like them. And it would be a scar for someone to say like, oh, man, you look like your dad. Like that would hurt. That actually caused you harm is I had this opportunity where I wanted to reflect my dad because I, I always growing up wanted to know who my dad was. And so as I learned my dad's character, that was imprinted on me more and more and more. And I wore that more and more and more on my skin because I was finding my identity in my dad rather than forget you. I'm finding my own identity because I don't even want, I don't want to, I don't want to know you and I don't even want to be like you. And so I find my own identity. I'm not reflecting him at all. And I'm still his image bearer in, in the very infant stage, but I haven't grown that. I haven't reflected him anymore. And I'm, it's because I'm finding my identity, not in who he was and who he raised me to be, but I'm finding my identity and no, this is, this is me. Forget you. I'm going to be my own man and you're old and you're crazy. And I don't want to, I don't want to hear it. And that's, I'm, I'm not reflecting him, even though I'm bearing his image, uh, to some degree, um, we have this capacity over and over again. Open with me. We're going to two more scriptures. I think uh, Ephesians four twenty four. These are two verses that will scriptures you can go to to see how we can continue this image bearing, how we can reflect this more. And we're not just a, it was a moment in time, God made man and we look like God and that's it. But this is, there's so much more being said here. Ephesians four twenty four, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and to righteousness and holiness. So this is something that's being renewed. It's, so it's, we've, we have the image of God, but it's being renewed and it's being uh, built up and it's being uh, this putting on the new man is this continual, uh, continual work. It's this work that I'm discussing is um, sanctification. 
as we go through the process of sanctification, which we're going through for our entire life, we are reflecting this Imago day more and more and more. It's the process of sanctification. Colossians 3.10 says, do not lie to one another. See that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of the creator. So again, this is this Imago Dei, this image that has been imprinted on us is being renewed and is being built up and is reflecting more and more and more as we put off uh, this, the flesh, if we put off the old man and take on our identity in Christ, we're reflecting our creator more and more and more, which is uh, what should be our desire. And it's what it, it's our design. It's uh, where we find our identity. Um, we see this in uh, it's sad but it's also just how we see the world working. You see this in uh, just recently. So Billy Graham died recently and we all know that because it was everywhere. Right. And in such a anti God, anti Jesus culture, you would find a, it would be hard pressed to find someone to talk like disparagingly about Billy Graham. Right. Like he was on the cover of magazines. He was, he was an icon and why, why are, why is he celebrated? Why is his death mourned more than other people? It's because we, we lost more than he was more than the sum of his parts, right? It was a guy that was reflecting the creator a lot and the whole world saw it. And whether you agreed with it or not, he was reflecting something that was greater than, than, the sum of his parts. If we were just the sum of our parts, then, you know, when I pass, when you pass, when Billy Graham passes, when anybody else passes, it should be the same thing. But it is such a big deal because Billy Graham and these great spiritual men and women, when they go to be with the Lord, when they finish, we, we see that we're losing more than the sum of their parts. We're losing something because they were reflecting so loudly, so strongly, so huge, this Imago Dei, the image of God. And we miss it. We miss it on this earth. We, we, we don't like to see those people go. That's, um, I'm convinced it was the, it was Christ in my dad that made me, of course I, I would mourn my dad passing, but it was, I loved him so much because I'm convinced I saw Christ in him loudly and strongly and so it was, it was the loss of that. This, this image bearer that was bearing his image so well is then now gone. Um, we find our identity in the Lord. And I was referencing Rob's message this morning, and I'd be remiss to not bring this up. Um, as we went through... Uh, so God created man as his own image and his image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. We talked about it a little bit last week, but this whole story of Genesis is God bringing order from chaos. So we have the chaotic formless waters in the very beginning and God is creating function. He's creating design. He's not just making things. He's not just like, there's a thing and there's a thing and there's a thing. As we're studying tonight, he didn't just go, here's human beings. Now let's see what happens. 
but he goes, here's human beings and here's their purpose. Here's their function. And ours is our, ours in everything else that has been created is the pinnacle. We've been imprinted with the, the image of God. We aren't the pinnacle, but in his created order, we, we are that we've been blessed with this position that, wow, how awesome is this? But then as we, we've been unpacking that this is the story from chaos to order. When we step out of those functions, we're reverting and we're going from order right back to chaos. Uh, there's an assembly bill that's um, coming down that looks like it's going to get passed. We, as, as believers, we have to be active in this uh, assembly bill 2943. And so this is a bill that's saying that pastors, psychiatrists, um, anyone really, uh, but those will be the first two things probably mostly impacted is that if someone were to come um, how it is now is if a person who has uh, maybe gender dysphoria, who has same sex attraction and does not want those things and they come to a pastor, they can receive counsel. They can go to a psychiatrist. They can receive counsel and they can be um, counseled through. We had a, a doctor up here this morning who has an insane success rate in this exact field. Um, he would not be able to rob myself, pastor Brett, any pastors here or anywhere would not be able to counsel because now instead of the, um, the client dictating what they want help with and where their end goal is now the state will dictate. And so um, his example this morning was if someone came to him and said, I'm really struggling with pornography. Can you help me through this? He would have to talk with them and figure out if it's a male he would have to find out if this is you're struggling with pornography um, heterosexually, then I can help you. But if this is homosexual, I can't. That's illegal. I can't work with you on that. And the state will dictate that no counseling can be. We couldn't counsel people who had gender dysphoria that wanted help. We we couldn't direct them away from that. the 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 state now is affirming. Um, these issues that we have in our culture and is now handcuffing us. If we allow is handcuffing us to not um, be able to help in this, these areas. And I can't talk about this without just saying our heart should break for our heart should break for these people or anybody in sin to, to cherry pick sin and to say somebody, um, the sin that somebody easily that the sin that easily besets somebody else is worse than mine is that's wicked of me. And that shouldn't be us as, as believers. And so whenever I, if, uh, whenever I talk about this, people who struggle with homosexuality, with, with gender dysphoria, whatever it may be, um, may it never be from a haughty place of that. I don't have that. I don't have struggles or that somehow that's worse than envying your neighbor's stuff and not being content with the Lord has given you. Um, our heart should break for these people and should come from a, a desire to help and to guide people through who are struggling with things. And that's what breaks my heart is that there's, there's the lost, the blind leading the blind. Um, 
that it's a struggle just to get in there and help them because society has affirmed that everything is okay, that everything's good, that truth is relative and, and live your truth and be you. It's hard enough to break into that and have conversations with people and live down the terrible uh, Christian example that we have gotten ourselves in of, of slamming people for their sin and not walk, running to them with open arms and love. But now it, it could be far worse in that even the people who are w- desperately want help, we are legally not allowed to help. This is, this is the direct result of us not finding our identity in the Imago day and seeing that the Lord knows far more than us and he's taken chaos and he's made order out of it. And we have stepped out from that order and we are walking down this road, just backpedaling this created order and walking willfully walking into chaos thinking all the while that our wisdom is actual wisdom and it's absolute foolishness. And we're, we're, and I don't say that to, to dig on anybody. I'm saying that I'm holding myself accountable. Um, we are walking into this chaos. It should be our goal as believers that we find our identity in Christ, that we find our identity in the Lord and in the places where we don't want to, the places where We're like, I'm cool with 90% of scripture, but this section right here, I can't give that up. I don't want to give that up whenever it may be. That's, that's the important one. That's the one that's, that's, that's starting us down this road to chaos. We have to be willing to submit every part of our life under submission to say, Lord, I feel like I know myself really well but I need to humble myself. I need you to humble me. And I need to realize I didn't create me. You created me. So tell me, how have you designed me? How, how am I supposed to live? And what's awesome. He has given us that. This is the same sin. This is the same folly of happening over and over again of mankind for all time. This is the same sin of Adam and Eve This is the same sin that we see all throughout the Old Testament of Israel up and down and up and down and up and down. Uh, This is the sin that you and I currently face today. This is the sin that currently struggle that currently faces our culture is that we, this is the insanity of it. We have been made the only creatures on earth, the only created creatures. We have been made in the image of God And yet we believe the lie that, oh, you want to be like God? Then you need to step out from under him. We were made in his image. We're the only creatures that bear his image. We're the only ones. And yet that's the, that was the deception in Genesis, right? Is that God, God doesn't want you to eat of this because he knows you'll, you'll be like him, that you're going to be like God. I mean, got him. We already are. That should have been the response. I already am like God. I'm the only thing created here. That's like God. I bear his image, but it was like, Oh, I have a chance to now define my own truth. I have a chance to now be the Lord of my own life. Oh, I have the chance. I don't have to answer to anybody else. And we step out of that design and we're, we're headed towards chaos. Uh, 
a few weeks ago, I forget, I had a, the, my dad's bucket of tools up here for an illustration. I don't even remember what the illustration was. Um, but I thought of it again uh, for this message. It is like going to that tool bucket and grabbing a hammer and the hammer has a specific job. The hammer is designed for a certain thing. And I pick up that hammer and that wicked little hammer says, no, I'm a screwdriver. And the hammer just won't be a hammer. It just, it's going to be a screwdriver. And the wrench wants to be a tape measure and the level wants to be whatever else you want to have a set of pliers, whatever it may be. Chaos, chaos ensues. And how great, how great is the damage then that grows from that? Do you want me, if, if, if that's the way I'm like making personalities for my tools, so this is a weird analogy, but uh, do you want me showing up to your house to do any kind of work at all? Yeah, Mike's like, heck no. Uh, no, it's, it's not only damaging to, okay, I'm, I'm really running with this metaphor now. Uh, I pull out a screwdriver and I have a nail, I have a framing nail that I need to drive into a two by four. And I have a little Phillips head screwdriver. Is that Phillips head screwdriver going to look a little different if I drive a framing nail into two by four? It's going to be destroyed. It's going to be absolutely mangled because it's not, I'm not using, it's not functioning in the way that it was designed and it can cry all about, it doesn't want to be a screwdriver. It doesn't want to be a screwdriver. It's causing harm and the role that it was called to do. My screwdriver has a divine appointment. The role that it's, it's supposed to have, it's not only hurting itself, but it's, that's going outwards. It's not completing the task that it's supposed to be doing. So we are not live our own truths. I don't, my, my life decisions do not only affect me. And that, I think it's a lie that our culture believes is that every decision I make, it, it, it's almost like you hear this a lot. Like as long as I'm not hurting anybody else, it's way bigger than that is my decisions affect everyone around me. And maybe you can't track it totally, but it, it matters when we, uh, when we show up for Sunday morning, it matters that our staff and our volunteers are out greeting people. And I can, I can give you examples of how, uh, we pull that let's Sunday morning. We pull all the greeters and we just say like, you know, as long as you're not hurting anybody, then just do your thing. This church is dead. This isn't a family. This is, we're showing up. It's going to feel like a hospital in here and just uh, like come and go out cold. Our, how we live our life affects people. And the beauty is, so I know it's been negative like the last five minutes, but the beauty is, is when we're not functioning in our role, we're, we damage, we're being damaged and maybe we don't think we are. And maybe we're, we're, we enjoy our sin. I know we enjoy our sin. I enjoy my sin, but we don't think we're damaging ourselves. We are. And we don't see that we're damaging the world around us, but we are. But the beautiful thing is, is that when we find our identity in this Imago Dei, how God has created us to be his representatives, to, to be um, 
his place on this earth to represent that there is a king that is ultimately going to come and bring the new heaven and the new earth. And he's going to level every king, every Pharaoh, anything that tries to exalt him, himself, themselves, whatever it may be, he's going to level it. And he is going to reign completely as king. When we find our identity and how we are designed, it not only benefits us and we don't, we don't see damage, but we actually see when a family functions the way it's designed in scripture, the family flourishes. When a husband, when kids, when us as individuals function, when a church functions, when a community functions, when we function the way the Lord has designed us, not only do the individuals thrive, but everyone around you thrives. It's the shock wave that, that is running through us. So we have a hope and we have that. That's what I was saying. The, the, the weight of this blessing is that this is a blessing. And I, I don't want to, um, we need to view it as that. And that's why I was trying to humble us at the beginning that this isn't, uh, just a, Hey, you guys look like God. He has two arms and two eyes. And it's pretty cool, right? It's not that it's, it's far more than that. And that he has designed us to be his image bearers in so many more ways. And that we are going to reflect him and reflect his character as we find our identity in him. And as we reflect his character, culture actually changes. Society actually changes. Our families actually change. Our friends change. Our spouses change. Our workplaces change. Everything changes as we start to reflect our savior more and more and more and more. And so as we go into next week, we're going into day seven. Um, we're going to see that that's ultimately, um, I'll give you guys the teaser for, for next week. We have been made priests and priestesses. And this story, which we pick up in chapter two, I wish it was in chapter one, but it's not the six days of creation. It's the seven days of creation because the seventh day is the pinnacle of creation. And it's not simply that God, that creating the world and the order of the world was tiring and that he rested, but resting means something different than we think it means. And the Lord has created the first temple where he is going to abide in that temple. And he has created us with this specific role of being priests and priestesses of that temple. This garden is a temple where man and God, it's sacred space where man and God are, can commune and live together. And it's ultimately what the Lord is getting us back to which what he's redeeming us back to in revelation. And that's why you see so many similarities in the imagery of revelation to Genesis, because he didn't say our God is not in the business. If you didn't know this, our God is not in the business of just eh, forget that I'm going to start over. He's a redeemer. He redeems. And so what he started in Genesis, we're ultimately running back towards that. And he's redeeming at his cost as we've, We've ran from it. We've pushed against it at his cost. He's getting us back and he's redeeming us. So come back next week. We have more stuff we're doing tonight, but come back next week as we're going to unpack this, this temple, the temple that the Lord has set up for us. 
but it needs, we need to be priests and priestesses that find our identity in our creator. And that's only done. Um, I pray all of us know this in this room, but that's only done now through, through Christ. We fell for it. Humanity fell for it, that we could be more like God somehow after he's made us completely like him. We were the only things bearing his image. We fell for the lie that we could be more like God if we were to step out from under his reign. And we were headed for chaos. We deserved it. We deserved death. And Christ, at great expense to himself, left comfort, left fellowship, left his rightful place and pursued us, came to a dirty, filthy, broken world that he had created beautiful, beautiful for us. And we stepped out from under his reign and he came and he pursued us and he pursued us in Romans. It says when we were pursuing our sin. So he pursued me, he pursued you and redeemed us, not knowing the end from the beginning, going like he's going to get it together and he's going to end up being a good guy. That's not when he came for me. He came for me when I was deep in my sin and when I was loving it, when I have every intent of pursuing my sin and continuing in my sin, he came and I was dead in my trespasses. I couldn't save myself. We were all dead. We were done for. There was no hope in it. And Christ came at great expense to himself to redeem us and to pursue us. And so one of the ways, I think a great way, the great commission way that we can reflect this image that we've been given is to reflect Christ in that way, is to leave our comfort, to leave our homes where it's comfortable, to leave our friend groups that maybe are super comfortable and our rightful places and to humble ourselves and to step out of comfort and go to the broken, run to the hurting, run to the outcast, run to those who are pursuing their sin with everything they have in them and relate to them, knowing that that's when Christ came to save you. And if ever the haughty thought comes in your mind that you are such a better person, then, then remember that that is right when Christ left heaven in community with the Father and the Spirit to come and pursue us. 